But I think everyone has to justify those decisions. You know what I'm saying? If you look at a 20, you know, 22 ounce bottle and you say, okay, well, that's 22 opportunities for me and only me to enjoy this bottle, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm just going to sit down by myself, door locked, no one can come in. And experience this 22 times. Is that worth that much money <laughs> to it, me? Is it worth that? You much? know, that's yeah. I and I'm not, I'm also I also again am contradicting myself because I can't put a price on the moments that I share with the people that I love. You know, sure. part of us sitting down to do this mm-hmm. is an an extension of the celebration of you turning 40. Uh, something that, as we've talked about on the show before, that I also went lavish with, and I dragged a bunch of my uh, wonderful idiot friends to another country to rent a castle so that we could play Downton Abbey French edition. Yeah. A la Francais. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and the, the only real reason... Like I, I wasn't trying to pretend that I'm more wealthy than than I am or that I have things that I don't. The only reason that I really wanted to do it was so that just once, like we could say, we fucking did that. For you sure. know, like it, there's something about I give myself reasons to say no to a lot of things all the time, and I've really enjoyed as you and I have gotten closer and as we've talked a lot more about this on the podcast, the hashtag celebrate everything. Because we really do need to give ourselves permission to enjoy the things that we enjoy and not feel bad about it. Right. Like, look, yeah, the, the fact is I get shit from all of my breeder friends, but we don't have kids. So there's mm-hmm. automatically like a little excess income. Uh, as a couple of friends of mine had pointed out, uh, the, the dink method of dual income no kids <laughs> okay. we got a we got a house of dinks over here you know like that's funny i've never heard that one <laughs> it's yeah it's uh it's sink, dinks. sinks and dinks yeah. single income no no kids and okay, dual income okay. no kids a couple dinks yeah that morning a couple dinks we got a house full of dinks and so there's already going to be some excess money that we can save yeah that we can invest can or that elsewhere. we can do something for with. sure And as much as I love investing in the future, I also love investing in the present. Certainly. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. And looking at this lineup, kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, much of this, you know, not uh, not all of it, but, well, I get the the Michter's bottle pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, That's one of the nice bottles that I'm able to somehow locate every year. But the GTS, for instance, I procured. Well, I got. The, I also got that just because I wanted it. But a lot of these bottles for, ended up being part of the cigar and whiskey. Just to jump wedding. in to interject real quick for yeah. those that don't know, the, that's a George T. Stag. Yes, it's a bottle uh, from the Buffalo Trace Antique mm-hmm. Collection, which is something I frequently reference on the program when I refer to uh, nice bourbons that mm-hmm. I enjoy. For sure, the the bottles in that series are my favorite bourbons on planet Earth. Delish. But yeah, this, some of these were. Or many of these nice bottles that I'd had were allocated toward that that bar, um, the cigar and whiskey bar that I did at the wedding out on the patio mm-hmm. at Pica in St. Paul. So that was something where, is this necessary? Absolutely fucking not. You know, buying Davidoff Churchill's for all my friends and <laughs> racking up 12 to 14 bottles of really great whiskeys. But... I wanted to be out there with all my friends, yeah. smoking nice cigars, sipping on some whiskey while the sun goes down on a beautiful hot July afternoon or evening, rather. And I, I just wanted that experience. I, I just wanted to do it. So certainly, like, I always go, I, I know that 
to some, it may seem patently absurd the way that I celebrate myself. Even saying that sounds gaudy, but I celebrate others with just as much gusto. And so my forthcoming birthday party, yes, I still throw myself a birthday party. Mm -hmm. I don't want the burden to be placed on anybody else. That somehow to some people reads as being more selfish. And I don't really understand why, but it's okay. You can feel that way. You can think it's weird that I throw myself a birthday party, but I just want to be around all my friends. And in the instance of the party that I'm having, you know, now in the past, once this episode comes out, it will have already happened. I, I want to bear the burden of the cost of that party. So I'm booking it. I'm getting the libations. I want all my friends to come drink gratis, and I just want to enjoy their company. We're going to smoke cigars and drink <clears throat> cocktails that are furnished by our homies at Meteor and some beer. I got a keg from Prize and, and a couple cases of wine. I just want to have fun with my friends. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, that seems selfish to some, then, I mean, that's unfortunate. But I wish I wish some people who scoff at that, it's, again, referring back to our whole uh, uh, situation where or, uh, ideologically where we're talking about celebrating everything. There are people who are like, birthday parties, you're supposed to stop doing that when you're 10. I'm like, damn, man, you missed a lot of years of gathering with your people uh, regardless of the occasion. Who cares? Just then, then who cares if it's your birthday? Don't you want to see your people? And I, I will I 100% agree with you, and I will yes and the shit out of this and say, going back to the people that are like, well, shouldn't somebody else throw you a birthday party? How fucking selfish is that? That I want a get-together, but I'm going to wait until someone, quote-unquote, loves me enough to do all of the work and do all of the things that I, yeah. I'm hoping for? Well, there are people who are mad that no one throws them a party. Yeah, get which the is fuck the, out of that's here. That's a weird... Throw yourself a party. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you wait every year for someone to throw you... I've thrown... Here's another thing that I can say is I've thrown an, an insane number of surprise birthday parties. Yeah. Almost every one of my friends, inclu- you know, my wife now, Marnie, I've thrown a surprise party for Tommy, for Frank, for Brandon. I've thrown Brandon two surprise parties. <gasps> selfish bastard and then, you know i threw Mar- i threw marnie's surprise birthday party at norseman like the second year that we were dating and she was just like astonished like holy shit i love doing that mm-hmm. i actually i like being surprised but i don't love it it's just knowing knowing it's a surprise or n- they're not being a surprise if it means that the my people are going to be there. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. a surprise. I'm, I'm in either way. Speaking of surprises, uh, I do have to give a shout out. Uh, the greatest surprise that I have ever pulled off in my life was a, uh, it's now a husband and wife at the time, boyfriend, mm. girlfriend. And uh, she had enlisted me to help throw a surprise 30th birthday for him on the same day that he had enlisted me to help him pull off a surprise engagement for her. Oh, so it was a double. I was a double was a agent double turn. on a double a surprise. Double turn. And uh, I, I, I do not ever want to live that day again. It was a nightmare of lying to the people that I love the most to try and make it work. But uh, <laughs> everything worked out. He had a great birthday. And then while we were posing for a birthday picture, he fucking nailed it, got down on his knee as the camera was rolling and proposed to her in front of literally with everyone that he loved all standing in a semicircle around him. Worked out great. Uh, I bring that up specifically because they just had a child. And earlier mm. today, I got to hold baby Big John for the first time. <laughs> and I promised them that I would give Big John his first shouts out on any media anywhere nice. that uh, <laughs> vocally 
Big John is in the house, and uh, he was awesome. He uh, literally, you can hold him like a football. It's frightening how small human bodies are. And... These are your friends that I met at that barbecue? Correct, yeah. I believe I've met him before. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Steve, uh, Steve yep. was the okay. uh, best man in my wedding uh, and has been uh, a, an incredible brother to me. When I first uh, came downtown and I didn't really know what I was doing and I was still living out in the suburbs, like he was one of the dudes that put his arm around me and was like, hey, we have a whole separate family down here. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. And when he asked uh, his now wife out, Molly, for the first time, who is one of the dopest individuals that has ever walked planet Earth, um, I actually had to help lie about it. And we pretended that it was just a whole group going out to a movie. And it was 100% me, a girl I was dating, Steve, and Molly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're like, listen, it's just a double dealy. It's fine. It's no big deal. Everything's <laughs> fine. And uh, yeah, that was, I don't know, fuck, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. They've been together forever. Damn. And uh, yeah, so it was really cool. Uh, I Not being a breeder, uh, it's not that I don't understand children or, or love them. Uh, we have two nephews and a niece that I adore. But it's impossible not to melt when this like this little itty bitty form of a little squishy faced human is like cooing at you and like snuggling in to get warmer and get closer. It was awesome. Brought him a brought him a, a surly onesie that says assistant brewer. Nice. So he's already ready to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was awesome and it was all be like I love the fact that I got to be a part of surprises like that. There is if you enjoy throwing a party then throw a party if you don't enjoy throwing a party don't throw a party that's it for sure if it stresses you out then tell the person that you love that maybe you're not the best person for it like that's okay i believe a lot of people don't want to have any sort of a gathering or a a birthday party but also there are some people and i'm these are the people i'm imploring if you're if you've deluded yourself into thinking that you don't want a birthday party but you actually do like, just put your cards out on the table and think about it. Maybe you actually have wished you had birthday parties all along. Yeah. I was listening to K-Fan a month ago as I was driving to Prize for a meeting. Um, and I don't listen to K-Fan very frequently because I usually end up yelling at the radio and then turning on a podcast <laughs> or, or some music. But they were giving Mark Rosen a hard time for having a birthday dinner. It was like four guys yelling at him like, that sounds like a party. And he was like, it really wasn't a party. And he was naming everybody there. And they were like, there's like eight people. That's a party. They were, they were chastising him for having a little birthday dinner. I mean, just, when, when did that start? When did we start it, like, making each other feel bad about having a dinner with our friends? It's the people that it's, – it's, I feel like it's the same people that like make fun of somebody who dresses up for like a wedding. Like, nice suit. Yeah. It's a friend of mine, and I'm trying to say, hey, isn't it nice every now and then to look a little nicer than I normally do? Sure. Like, I'm always fascinated. If all you those... want. If you want to. I, I've, uh, I've, I've been counting because I'm coming up on 100, but 100 weddings that I've been in, DJed, or been the officiant for. I was going to say, Dan, for, you look young, dude. Right? <laughs> uh, and I think I'm, I'm two away from it. And if there's one thing looking back on 98 weddings that I'm fascinated by, it's like the two and it's always dudes the two guys that like have to show up in like camo cargo oh, shorts sure. the hat and like, have a hat. yeah they gotta have the hat that's like right. beat to hell smells yeah. like fish mm-hmm. and then uh like some sort of like semi nice 
hoodie with like a zip up over a polo. Maybe. But it's got like the the air flaps in back just in case mm-hmm. it gets a little hot. And then, you know, some bad like trail shoes or some bullshit. Sure. Every time I look and every time that they're there, if they're there by themselves, okay, I understand. If they're there with a date, the date's always dressed up. And I am fucking fascinated by <laughs> I want to know what the hour of conversation before they left the house was. Mm-hmm, right. Like has she just given up? Is it just not worth yeah. a fight? Like, I don't know. I get, what, just whatever. It's a little different if you're going out for drinks yeah. and, you know, you're wearing a ball cap. Like, once – that'll happen sometimes where Marnie wants to get dressed up and we're literally just going to go get cocktails. Mm-hmm. She's dressed up. I'm wearing, like, a hoodie and jeans and boots and a, and a ball cap. But that's just getting a drink. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a formal event. Yeah. Like I, a life, I just don't get it. Yeah, a major life milestone is occurring in – you have poop on your boots. <laughs> yeah. You, got, you fucking poop shoe. And then, like, like I'll be the reverend, and I'll walk <laughs> by, like, nice suit, queer. And I'm like, all right, so we're going to throw out, Dear like, God. we're going to throw out slurs. Like, this has happened at two different weddings. Really? So, first, we're going to throw out a slur that you shouldn't be throwing out in any situation, ever. And then, on top of it, you're going to insult the officiant of the wedding that you're supposedly there to attend to help support said couple. And it's just a thing. It's like that. It's that, and then the DJ equivalent of that is uh, some weird uncle will always come up during like a Jackson Five song earlier in the night and be okay. like, "Stop playing so much jungle music." And I'm like, "All Oof. right." So again, we're leading off with racism. We're not going to have a. We don't think it sounds insulting because that's just a term that my friends and I use. And then on top of it. It's the Jackson fucking five. Like, this is where we're going to draw the line on what I have a problem with. Because I don't know what on That's earth. Gross. I don't know what on earth I could play for you. But that has been. Uh, I I sadly stopped doing friends of mine's weddings because that happened too many times. Yeah, you don't know what hand you're going to draw yeah. at like, times. Literally, yeah. uh, uh, the father of a bride that I have known since I was 14 years old looked me in the face like literally college grad uh, should be as educated as can be. That was what he said to me Oh, at his daughter's wedding, knowing that we had two and, and a you, half hours. And of also that, music that you know one another. Yep. That's troubling. Yep. Ugh. Like I just, it reframed how I see him. And I, I mean, thankfully we're not close enough that I would go to their family's house for dinner or anything like that anymore. But even if I were invited, I would say no, if he's there. The other trouble with instances like that is sometimes someone says something like that because they think that you'll high five them. So that's, you know. That, yeah. I mean, I've like, definitely ah, had people say that like, and think dude, it's funny. Or uh, that you'd be okay with it. Because I've had, I, I have friends that have been in real precarious situations where like their partner is a person of color and they're white. Mm-hmm. And someone will say something to them thinking like, well, you're a white guy, so you either get what I mean or you'll just shrug it off and then they fucking lose it because they may as well themselves be a person of color. You know what I'm saying? God, hey. uh, okay. What's wrong with this world? Yeah. Uh, so you're listening to a very special 40th birthday. <laughs> we got serious early on. This is your life episode. Uh, celebrating 40 years on this planet with Mr. Charles Wad. That's me. Uh, I am Ben Kwam, and I will be chiming in and asking some questions, but we're throwing some stuff by Charles uh, just to celebrate. We we asked around, and we got some Episode people. 40. 
It is episode by, 40. Totally by coincidence. We in no way planned this. <laughs> nope. It just worked out this way, which is kind of fun. It's the, it is officially the 4040 Club. Yeah. 40 years, 40 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you average to an episode a year. <laughs> We're all over 40. The show exactly. and the two of us yeah, are definitely, all over 40. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, we have a, a nice run of incredible uh, spirits in front of us. And so instead of taking shots, uh, because some of these are, are are too nice to be shooting, uh, we're just going to be sipping as we go. And as we transfer into the next thing, uh, we can roll from there. For sure. But we both decided to start off with uh, some Eagle Rare. Because, as we said, uh, this is a 40 and 42-year-old talking to you. I remember when... We could free pour Eagle Rare for Manhattans and Old Fashions mm-hmm. at a bar, and then you could upgrade from there. Uh, it is a delicious whiskey. I am not taking anything away from it, but I have seen this in stores above $70, and uh, that is frightening to me. Let's hope at some point in the near future, someone is listening to this episode, and they're like, nah, man, that's not a thing, because it changes again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be great if it did. Uh, but I don't see any change on the horizon anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, my preferred, this and Buffalo Trace are my preferred uh, cocktail mm-hmm. bourbons at home. And now I cannot procure this particular one. But I've also been using a lot of, we've we've also discussed this on the episode. I use a lot of Elijah Craig now, too. Yep. And Elijah Craig Easy is, to procure. again, I, I would put my enjoyment of Elijah Craig and uh, Eagle Rare on a very similar platform. Uh I, I, I would say maybe Eagle Rare is a, a little bit more refined, but overall, that's, like you said, that's where I used to use Eagle Rare. Is I like them equally. I, I like them yeah. equally, I would say. Uh, time to switch to a weeder heater. Weeder heater. A weeder heater. So the <laughs> Weller Antique 107. Before we have so to forget to weeded bourbon. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I'm good with my banquet. But yeah, we're going to flip over here to drinking this Weller Antique. In this celebratory episode, so we're drinking the good shit. The good shit. The good shit. Uh, I'll just give you a pour, and then if you want more of anything, you know where to find it. If you want a more, more, yeah. more. Motherfucking Pointer Sisters in the house. Thank you very much. So what do you think? Are we going to roll into the inquiries? We are. Get straight into it? We are. So, uh, first... I'm gonna. <laughs> I can't remember if he introduces himself or not, but uh, we're gonna roll with this one for our first question. All right, uh, here we go. In honor of Charles's birthday, I have decided. Thank you, Ben, for making me do this. How to use voice memos on my phone? Anyways, happy birthday, Charles. Love you tons. Somehow, in all of the time we've hung out together, I've never dug into this very much. What sparked your interest in graphic design? And how, in the early years of your career, did you figure out you wanted to do branding and identity? All of that kind of stuff. And then, on top of that, what prompted you to decide you wanted to start your own company? Yay for 13 plus years of Charles's awesome company, Patmos Design and Identity. Also, side note, can you make a New Age Luminary cartoon, please? Background. Nearly a decade ago, Charles made an amazing cartoon featuring a know-it-all light bulb to uh, talk about the P 
people we overheard at beer festivals and some of the uh, intriguing things they would say. Anyways, that's my question. Have a great birthday. Love you tons, dude. <laughs> Love you too, Jeb. Yeah, the Luminary comic. That was a lot of fun. I um, also really love the way that Jeb spoke yeah, into his phone. Right. He could do some uh, NPR stuff for sure. That's absolutely. He's got an NPR voice. Or PBS. He could do some PBS. Jeb was brought to us by a grant <laughs> from the Chubb Group and the Mary T or the John T and Mary C. Catherine MacArthur Mary Foundation. C. Riley. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't expect to talk shop, but I'll I'll just lay it right out there. I my first job that I got was a writer and layout um, artist for the Minneapolis Summer Youth Newsletter when I was fourteen years old. It was the first summer, mm. and my brother Tony and myself worked for for that publication. It was based out of Edison High School and Pillsbury, uh, another school in Northeast Minneapolis. And it was a very small crew. Uh, I wrote the entertainment section, which for me meant mostly writing about video games. So they could give me a handful of quarters and I could go to the arcade at the Mall of America and play Mortal Kombat 3. And I learned how to use Quark. um, Hold on. Time out. Yes. Who was your character in Mortal Kombat 3 at Mall of America? Uh, Cabal was my MK3 guy. Ooh, all right. Uh, Cabal was my MK3 guy. Legit. Um, That was his finest appearance. So I my first job was doing layouts in Cork Express. Uh, I had to learn via the graphic design teacher Edison, and I wasn't a student there yet, but he was the, um, the boss at Minneapolis Summer Youth Newsletter. So I learned how to do layouts, which was my first taste of using design software, layout software. Uh, when I went to enroll, and I, you know, we talk about it on the show a lot. I'm an autodidact. I taught myself HTML, so I, uh, CSS, uh, some some JavaScript and stuff like that. When I was a teenager, uh, so I could do web design um, for recreational purposes, and also some other. I, I had some like gigs that I did, and then I would toy around with pirated versions of things like Photoshop, and enjoyed using them. I never necessarily thought of it as a vocation, though when I was a child, I liked to draw a lot. Um, I was quite good at it. I used to draw comic books with my childhood friend, Gabe Ubash. We had a comic book called Ragnarok that we drew several issues of, and we were trying to enroll in some contests through Wizard. So I had a, a, a propensity to be artistic, but I'd Sh- lost that by the time. Quick shout out to my co-artist Jonah Clevisall for our yeah. Dragon's Fire comic book nice. that didn't go anywhere. I don't feel like a lot of comic books do were they, drawn on a uh, lined paper on a, oh, sure. a spiral ring yeah. notebook, right. but we had, we had some its own love. aesthetic. Yeah. That's got its own aesthetic. <laughs> so when I was enrolling in college, I actually enrolled in um, the computer programming uh, degree program at Brown College here in Minnesota. And when I was at the orientation, um, an ex-girlfriend's voice was kind of going through the back of my head. I remember her telling me that her dad is a computer programmer and that it has the highest incidence of suicide in jobs in the U.S. And that was going through my head as I was sitting through this, like, annoying <laughs> orientation. That's also such an awesome, like, ex-girlfriend line. Right, for sure. <laughs> like, and I was, I'm just going to damage you a little further just right, for the rest of your life. Knowing that I was enrolling in <laughs> yeah, computer exactly. programming. 
which was predicated on my knowledge of programming that I had been self-taught in HTML and other web programming languages. So that was running through my head. And as I had walked to that orientation, I walked by a bunch of art on the walls and they, they were asking these just like incredibly boring questions. Half the people in, in the orientation were asleep. And I was like, fuck this. And I just got out of my seat and I walked down to the office and sat down in a chair and someone was in the office at the time. And I said, uh, I'd like to change what I'm enrolling in. They're like, oh, what are you here for? Oh, I'm here for programming, but I want to switch over to visual communications, which is what they call it there, to the graphic design yeah. courses. And they're like, all right. So switched and the, the rest is history uh, in terms of – so that's why I started – really, it was almost on a whim that I decided to change my track in life from mm-hmm. programming to design, even though I've done some of each in my career with um, web development, web design and design and um, graphic design, marketing, all of those arenas. In terms of starting my own business, I started my business because I was working, I was I was a ghost contractor, so I would do uh, web design and w- development for a lot of local studios in the Twin Cities when they didn't have in-house capabilities. Now a lot of them have, you know, it's full stack. They want to yeah. be able to do everything for you. But for a period of time, no one would do uh, web or vice versa. And so I would do web design uh, for some studios locally and i was working with a studio in northeast minneapolis i'm not gonna say who they are i was having drinks with the um creative director of that studio and owner uh one evening and he was saying that he feels a lot better about himself that he hired me instead of the kid that he'd been working with overseas from like i don't even remember the country it's like bosnia or something and he told me that he did a website for a energy drink company that he billed them six figures for and paid the, this kid in some foreign country. I believe he said he paid him a hundred dollars. Holy shit. And in my it mind, was like going I was for the like, high five this for guy shaved that much money off the top just to coordinate that and felt like he pulled one over. And then I remember feeling like, wow, I want to. I, I feel like I can start my own small studio and be highly ethical and you'll always know who's working on what and when and you can come visit me at any time and I'll show you where we're at with stuff. And that was the advent of Patmos, which I was already operating as. So I've been operating as Patmos Design and Identity for about 17 years now. But that was when I made the decision to open the brick and mortar in Northeast Minneapolis, um, Patmos Design Studio One that I've now had for 13 years was that conversation made me say, I don't, I don't know if I'm working with and for the right people, but maybe I need to start bringing this work in. And then at the time, I also wanted to work with my other creative friends. That doesn't always work out. I have some great collaborators and employees and stuff that I work with now who I adore. Um, but that was the impetus for it at that time. Sure. Do you, going back to when you were talking about um, uh, having a teacher at Edison that was like helping out, do you feel like, I, I feel like when I when I think about my upbringing and when I kind of came into my own, mm-hmm. and the the first time that I felt like I knew who I was was the first time I had a microphone in my hand, and I think a lot of that happened because nobody told me I couldn't do that. Sure. And I feel like that's when you look at the discrepancies between like where schools are at from like super wealthy suburbs to uh, like super impoverished inner city. I think one of the things that I always think about is how lucky I was 
personally to have moved out to the suburbs for high school mm-hmm. because I immediately was surrounded by a bunch of people who never told me I couldn't do something. And I think that if I had stayed in the city, there were plenty of people that, oh, no, you can't do that or that's not okay. Like, Sure. I think that a lot of kids, I think we stifle a lot of magic and a lot of talent by, but simply by the fact that there are areas in every city, in every state, in every, everywhere in this country that I had a different experience than they did. And part of it is this, the color of my skin, for sure. But part of it also is the amount of money that's in a facility. How overburdened are the teachers? How overtaxed are the guidance counselors? How, and you think about like where those seeds got planted. And sure. somebody you know took a shine to you and said, hey, I think you can do this. Keep going. And then as you kept building yourself up, I mean, I'm sure there were people that told you that it wouldn't work as a company. But do you feel like? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I started. I started Patmos during the recession. And <laughs> yeah, it was, that's, it was that's a calculated fair. maneuver because I saw all of the studios in Minneapolis closing, and equipment was cheaper, and I didn't have as much expendable income as you know. Sure. You might a lot of people who are maybe starting a business did. I was twenty six, dude. Twenty six years so old. So fucking wild. And uh, I when I so when I made that decision it was at the worst possible time to some and we struggled for a while i have told this story before on like my social media accounts but there were times where i was eating uh dinner my dinner was a diced up russet potato where i'd cut it up into fries and then just season it with some herbs and salt and pepper and dip in ketchup that was dinner I got a russet potato. All my money's going in the business. Here's this. I got a potato. I'm making fries. At least I'm going to make something enjoyable out of it. And then I'd fucking sit there and drink some shitty beer and eat my potato all cut up and baked. And then just hope tomorrow's going to work out even better than today did. You know, we're going to get that client. Dude, never forget that at the end of the Nevermind tour with Nirvana, Dave Grohl was still living off of a $14 a day per diem. Yeah. He didn't even huh. have access to the bank account and had no idea if they had made any money. Sure. That wow. literally was all he had at the end of the fucking tour. Yeah, wild. And he had he had figured out which gas stations had specials on hot dogs. So oh, you yeah. could buy you could buy three hot dogs. He's got and, the old roller dogs. And eat one hot <laughs> yeah. and then save the other two and eat them cold at the end of the show and that'll keep you going. Oh like, my god, that's so disgusting. How fucking insane is that? But yeah, I <laughs> I also will say that the the flip side of that would be um Having grown up through some pretty tough family spots, I also feel like there's a sense when you don't have, uh, not that our family situations are the same, but we definitely grew up with distant or not around at all father figures and a lot of confusion and sadness and everything else around that. I also think that that can build you into something too when you realize like, oh, sometimes it is just going to be up to me. Like sure. if I want dinner, it's going to be me that makes it. And when you learn that in third grade, it's not as scary in at 21 when you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure this out. Like, do you, do you feel like that kind of works into the cocktail too? Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely fair to say. I, I've definitely, I I'm stubborn. Okay. Like everyone who knows me knows I'm, what? I'm stubborn. I'm pretty hard headed. Uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of, family history stuff but 
we didn't have a lot when we were kids, but we were owed inheritance that was from past generations that was land in Lebanon. Long story short, because again, like no one needs to hear all the details of this, yeah. but my my estranged father essentially took that the land that was meant to go to me and my brothers and just wished it away. It went it went it went elsewhere. Didn't go to us. And I remember when that first became clear to my family that, you know, this like nest egg that we couldn't access when we were kids that was supposedly someday going to make us very wealthy was taken away from us. Remember my mom remarking to me, aren't you mad? Don't you want to do something about it? And I told her, I will buy my own land. I don't want it. If it's his, if it's his to give away, if it's his to give away, I don't want it. Yeah. If he was able to legally give it away, I don't want it. Yeah. I will buy my own land. That's fucking awesome. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, that's the coolest shit. Like, if if there was a line that writers in Hollywood could think up for two days trying to work on this, like, that's still a better line than anything they're going to come up with. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to be prophetic no, or anything, no. but no, I understand. I, I, Yeah, sure, but it, 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 it definitely... Um, speaks to me wanting to have more than I had or that uh, like my, my parents had or my aunts and uncles and you know they they live very humbly in Lebanon and they're totally comfortable and steadfast with that it's the way that they live and it's beautiful I, I love being a part of it and experiencing it but I also wanted I don't want I don't want everything but I don't want struggle yeah you know like that's just I, that's something that, um, and I would say that's a symptom of my career, not necessarily the goal because I love what I do and I never cared. It took a long time for me to care about how much money I was making doing it, but now I'm married and you know, I want things for myself. Um, some of those things are superficial, but I could do without them as well. I just, yeah, I just, um, I, I like making a good living for myself and um, also being able to say, I did that. You know, that was all me. I, I, I'm the one who put in all the, the work in the, in the elbow grease and the blood, sweat, and tears. You queuing up. Yeah, next, I'm trying to, I'm trying to queue up the next one. But, topic of uh, conversation. The, 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 the voicemail seems to have just vanished. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is really weird. Do, do iPhones have a thing where you can send something and after you listen to it, it goes away? Not on my device. It's possible that's a thing. Was it sent as a voicemail? Uh, no, it was it was sent as a, a voice memo. Oh, yeah. And I'm reading the text thread between the two of us. It could be the person who sent it. Uh, I believe you can. I mean, let's not get into all the minutiae. Well, no, but I, I believe there's on. a way. There's a way that if you hear it, it can be wiped like that kind of thing. Do we call him right now? I, you tell me. I don't know who it is. Are we good? Yep. Yeah. And we're live. Hey, Charles. Hey, buddy. Thanks, pal. So I, I have a question for you. All right. I'm sure you've been getting a lot of hard-hitting ones, but I know we've talked about this before. We've both worked in retail, right? Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) i know you've worked at a comic book shop before i know you've dealt with customers um my question to you is i was thinking this with black friday coming up you know i'm gearing up to go wait in line at walmart home goods and 
probably Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if I'll have enough time, but Black <laughs> Friday got me thinking, what is the absolute shittiest customer experience that you've dealt with face-to-face <laughs> or not via email, not like on the phone? <laughs> got to be in person. Like, yeah, in person. Like this person is in front of you and you were just like, I can't believe that this is actually fucking happening in my life like whether it was like we had to call the cops on this person or oh so many of those yeah something inappropriate so regale us with with that and us the loyal listener would love to hear it <laughs> splitter i love you so much uh all right you'll hear the episode soon my man i love you thanks brother sounds good love you guys bye, bye. <laughs> oh man, so many to choose from, really. Also, I love that he he snuck in a happy fiftieth birthday. I don't know if you heard that. No. And on his original <laughs> voicemail, he's yeah. like, "Man, you look so good for sixty two. Like he snuck in all these every time he said it. It's a different you got, age. You got time. older. Yeah. And I think the last one was like seventy one. I love perfect. the stores that he lined up at because the last time he told me he was doing this, he's going to TJ Maxx. I guess their sales are not good enough. <laughs> Splinter, you don't like the sales at TJ Maxx, huh? <laughs> Dude, I got, man, I got a lot. Of, the ones I'm thinking of are all equally, like, not that bad. Thinking, I'm trying to think of, like, a really great one. Just a great, great one where... I got, oh, dude, I got, got one I want to throw out. You got yeah. to have something. So <clears throat> You worked in bars. So I, did. Had some... I did. I did, I did, I um, did. I had uh, the, the two that I always think of that like make me giggle the most mm-hmm. are um, – and again, I'm not trying to make light of, of mental health and, and when people have mental health breaks because mm-hmm. there are definitely people where it seems maybe like funny just because of how out of left field they are. And then you realize like – especially as I got older, like holy shit. I had a guy <clears> – <throat> we used to have a, a, a seared ahi tuna dish on our menu at Hops Food and Brewery in Maple Grove in 2002 – and it was a delicious dish, and uh, it came with um, like some toasted bread, and it had some veggies, mm-hmm. and then it had a little thing of sushi ginger. And God. I had a guy throw his plate on the floor and shatter it, and then throw every glass, like the salt shaker, the pepper shaker, his water glass, his drink glass, throwing it all over the restaurant because he was convinced that we were serving him shaved pork. And he does not eat pork. Wait, which part of that did he think was pork? The ginger. For sure. That I could see how you could mistake fucking ginger. <laughs> and it was, you know, it, it was the it was the, the the light pink dyed ginger. So he just opened the whole motherfucker? He just lost his fucking mind about it. And I went out to try and talk to him because I didn't understand. Right. I I thought he was talking about the tuna. And I'm like, this is very clearly tuna. Like, I can run in back and grab you a sure. whole piece of tuna. And we mm-hmm. can, he goes, that's not what I'm talking about. And he grabbed a little piece and he threw it towards me. And I was like, Dear wait, God. the ginger? And he goes, that's not what ginger looks like. And, like, we finally had to call the police. And they wrapped his ass up and they threw him Whoa. in the back of the squad. So you're still losing it over he, some fucking shaved ginger? He was, yeah, he was trying some to grab ginger. plates off of other people's tables. <clears throat> that one okay. that one always always sticks with me is like what Damn. the fuck but my favorite and and this is again pre-cell phone era and I'm not making light of uh aggressive tactics from cops because I understand that that wildly affects a demographic of humans in our country mm-hmm. but this one man this is so fucking funny to me 
Okay. Uh, we had closed the nightclub. Everybody had gone through, like done all our sweeps. And a kid had fallen asleep on one of the toilets with his legs up on the toilet seat. Okay. Like he was like, uh, like if you pull your knees to your chest and you wrap your arms around the yeah. front trying to stay warm. Middle of cocoon. Right. And so our, our security guard had gone through and like all the doors stay shut normally. Like they swing shut mm-hmm. and they looked underneath. There's no feet. Like, okay, all right, we're good. So, uh, Allegedly, there was a certain sergeant from a certain police department that I was very fond of, who was very close to retirement and was kind of on his victory lap. And every now and then, he would come downtown uh, to hang out with us and pretend that he knew what it was like to be a young kid again. Uh-huh. That's called uh, undercover. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And he would always make <laughs> Hello, sure, fellow kids. <laughs> and I, exactly. And my favorite part about it was he totally looked like his last name was not a cop because he would wear a leather jacket, a Hawaiian shirt, or Bushani. very tight jeans, yeah. like shiny, oh, shiny black shoes, yeah. and then had like perfectly like cool guy. white hair. All right. I he is to this day he is still one of my heroes uh, because of the amount of interactions and interesting things that we talked about. But, uh, I had him and his, uh, uh, partner at the time had come down. Uh, he was basically on, I'm actually retiring. So I just wanted to come down one last time and say, Hey, and, uh, <laughs> said gentleman stumbles out of the bathroom and starts yelling who stole my drink. Oh, now, Bar time in Minnesota is 2 a.m., and this is 2.47 in the morning. And he starts just screaming at everybody. So security comes running over. Like, everybody was done. Like, you'd already start taking off your work clothes. They come and wrap this guy up, and he starts yelling, fuck you, this is assault, where are the cops, where are the cops? And uh, alleged sergeant <laughs> hops up from the bar and walks over and is like, Actually, I am a cop. Like, yeah. can you tell me how on earth you're in the right right now? He's like, someone stole my drink. He's like, you haven't been legal to have a drink for over 45 minutes. You need to leave. He's like, no, man, fuck you. I want the real cops. And he said, what? And he said, I want the real cops. And he goes, I, again, am a real cop. And he said, then give me your badge number. And I saw his demeanor change. And he said, you want my badge number? And the kid goes, fuck yeah. And this alleged sergeant pulled his wallet with his badge in it out of his pocket and said, you want my badge number? Opened up his wallet and smacked the dude so fucking hard in the forehead with his badge. Said, check your fucking forehead in the morning, you piece of shit. (laughs) And then threw him out the front door. And I laughed so fucking hard. Because this was just an entitled 23-year-old white kid. It's probably a lot funnier at the time. Oh, my God. To me, it's still funny. Because when somebody is that far in the wrong, when somebody is taking swings at every single person who's just trying to tell them, hey, bud, you've been sleeping in a toilet for a while, and this dude is spitting at everybody, trying to throw punches, that was the funniest thing that I've ever seen. Like, just a little red mark (laughs) on the forehead. Boop. Get out of here. And then he still sat up front and banged Banging on the, the window windows. yelling, where's my drink? Where's my drink? Where's my drink? Like at some point, somebody was going to be like, oh, you know what? You're right. We found you one third of a Long Island iced tea sitting over here. Oh we'll bring God. it out to you. 
you're right. 3 a.m., this is when you need it. Again, not Brilliant. pushing for that kind of treatment, but honestly, that moment, there is nothing on earth that I would have wished more for than that. Except maybe <laughs> him just peeing himself. Like, that would have been, like, that a probably, little extra. That probably happened shortly. Oh, for sure. After that. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> so I already told my greatest ever dickhead customer story and that was when i worked at target when i was 16 and the guy came in and told me a dude in my cashier line was a total dick and he said don't like your job quit and i said that's a great idea and took off my that's pretty amazing stuff um so that was that is the one that sticks out far and away the most I'm just. I think I'm going to pivot this because I also I tackled a guy outside Shinders one time and a bunch of porn flew out of his pants because I could see him on the camera back there loading his pants up with pornography. Wait, hold on, hold on. Three just, packs of porn mags. Okay, so it was magazines. I was picturing like yes. VHS. You can't know because no, because no, well, this is still DVD times. I'm not that fucking old. I am. Yeah, I just turned 40, man. Yeah, you're right. But no, so we had DVDs, and it would be uh, the empties would be in the back. Uh, if you wanted to buy it, you'd bring the empty to the counter, you'd pay, and then, and then we'd put the disc in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times someone walked out with like the empty and thought they stole porn. And be like, what the fuck? Because we would be missing just the the boxes. I guess you could use that. I got maybe? these sexy thumbnails on the back that too, right? Uh, no, that guy had. Uh, we did three. There would there would be three packs of like old yeah. issues of whatever. I don't even remember the names. Juicy and Hustler yeah. and uh, so three packs. And this dude shoved so many down the front of his pants, and then like waddled out. And I watched him do it. And then right when he got to me and he saw I was looking at him, he ran out and I chased him. And I didn't really have to do anything. I just checked him into the the shutter doors. You exploded his porn fupa. Yeah, checked him into the shutter doors and then he flew down like four steps and porn just <laughs> slid all over. There's like old ladies and children and stuff. Like, kids, don't look. Don't look, kids. So, but that's not much of a story. That's like, you know, eight I seconds there. I my mean, favorite like, thing, one of my favorite, a lot of fun stuff happened. out of me. <laughs> a lot of fun stuff happened at Shinders. <laughs> my favorite story is Agua Guy, okay? <laughs> this guy came on on a hot summer day Clearly, they didn't speak any English. Yeah. It's no big deal. Guy comes in. The counter at Shinders, the shop I worked at, which aforementioned sells porn, is a newsstand that started to sell like magic cards, sports cards, comic books, uh, publications, books, all sorts of stuff, uh, action figures, what have you. We also had coolers and snacks like mm-hmm. right by the door where the counter was located. It was the one in Roseville, right? Yes, at the yeah, time I was I in Roseville. That. So I was at the front counter. This guy comes in sweating, just drenched head to toe in sweat and he looks at me and he goes agua and i was like oh uh yes right there and so i point over at the coolers he walks over the coolers again he goes agua like he's he's yelling agua he opens the cooler pops in grabs a the big bottle of the evian right the liter bottle evian comes up to the counter slams it down on the counter it was aqua, and it was like, a, you know, at the time it was like a dollar for like a dollar forty. He grabbed like a couple of crumpled up bills and some change, sprinkled it all over the counter. Once again, he yells, "I shit you not, aqua!" He fucking twists the top off. He turned it completely upside down, tilted his head back, and just dumped it on his head and went, aguh, 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 and captured as much as he Shut. could. Like spilled Spring water everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Crumpled the bottle. Threw it down on the ground, once more shouted, 
Agua! And stormed out, like slamming the fucking glass door, jingling glass door behind him. And I just like looked at the store like and, and scene. We all just experienced something together. That and dude was thirsty. Was, he, t- he, t- he tipped it completely upside down, <laughs> like a foot above his yeah. head. <laughs> and then his head was craning, like, look at, look at, look at. And he just, the only word he said was agua, like seven <laughs> times. I was like, dude. Oh, my God. That's, that's good. Funny. I have a. Uh, no, that's amazing. That's, that's. That's exactly what the fuck we were talking about. Right, but that wasn't exactly like the worst guest ever. That was more just yeah. highly entertaining. Someone well, had to clean that shit up. But. I mean, like, if we really want to say like worst guest ever, like I wrapped a dude up and he kept reaching for his pocket and I passed him off to security and he stabbed the security guard that I handed him off to three times. Like, that's the uh, yeah. worst. That's not a fun story. That just makes me feel really bad for Stanley, who got stabbed three times. Oof. But yeah. uh, I'd rather the funny guy. This like, is that yeah. Really needed some water. Where you like really needed some water. Also, I'm really glad I didn't touch you or like have any actual physical interaction <laughs> yeah. with you because I don't know what's going on. But this is not. I just good. watched him in amazement. I was just like, dude, I've never, what? I've never seen someone that thirsty. I've never been that thirsty. I've never, I've, I feel like I've felt that thirsty. Oh but, shit! <laughs> Hold on. There's another thing that he yelled when he came in. So thirsty. So thirsty. So Dude, oh my God, Brandon's going to be mad at me for getting that detail. He yelled so thirsty when he came in, too. That might be the title of this episode. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that guy was... But then he just kept yelling agua. It was <laughs> fucking amazing. Like, uh, I saluted him on the way out. Like, hey, man. You done did it. Yeah. Uh, we, switched, uh, we switched spirits in the middle of this. Correct. Do you want to talk we're about that for the, one uh, second? Yes. So now we are drinking the Michter's Single Barrel 10-Year Bourbon. Uh, this is a bottle that I think a lot of people still hunt for, lust after. Um, it's not the hardest to find of the annual release uh, bourbons, but it is uh, quite good. Uh, I've had good luck f- locating this one. It's a 47.2% alcohol, so about 94 proof. Uh, real smooth. Easy drinking. I actually haven't had this in a minute. I'm going to take a little sip and I'm going to describe it to you. Yep, caramelly. It's a... Uh, it does got some sting to it. We're doing cubes. I do cubes now, uh, which I'm happy to do, but a little bit of sweetness, very caramelly, a little stingy. Finish is nice. Man, that's... Finish is very caramelly, very butterscotchy. I... Good oak quality, the tannins. I don't always seek little, out... Ooh, lots of vanilla. Yeah, for lots sure, lots of vanilla. Of vanilla. I, I don't always seek out those butterscotch notes, mm-hmm. but when Michter's especially, when you really hit it, I think it's kind of beautiful. Like it really, it's one of those things that kind of differentiates it from other things. And sometimes that's exactly what, I don't know that I would have picked up on it if we hadn't done Eagle Rare and Weller before it. Mm -hmm. And now it's almost like those notes are brighter because. Oh yeah. It's so different. We went from the the ER10 to the Weeded uh, Weller 107 to the Michter's, which is the Kentucky Straight bourbon that's uh yeah that's really nice i do uh, one of the reasons that i'm i feel fortunate that i'm able to locate this one many years is that i think that's great and a great value if you get it at retail uh and yeah the bourbon game is all about value now Mm -hmm. because 
you got to fight for stuff that maybe you don't even love quite as much as something that is cheaper, but you were unable to locate. So that's that's the whole game with whiskeys these days. Um, and I don't hunt at all. So if anyone wants to put me on the <laughs> record for that, I don't hunt bourbon. Just for the the last time I hunted bourbon was for the wedding. It was, it was for the cigar and whiskey bar. We queuing up the next yeah, all right. topic of uh, conversation. I'm going to hit play and then I'm going to hand this to you. Right. Uh, okay, sure. Looks like we got a video. Yo, what's going on, Charles? This is Billy Kay from the band Mastodon. I'm here to what wish the fuck? you a happy 40th birthday today. Dude. And dude. also to ask you a question. What the fuck? Who is your favorite band and why is it Mastodon? Well, I know why it's Mastodon because we're fucking great. Dude, that's crazy. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm glad that you love our band. And I'm happy that you're turning 40. And I uh, hope you have a great and safe birthday. So anyway, that's all I got right now, man. I'm on the road and uh, getting ready to play a gig in Nashville at the Remit Theater. And I'm uh, looking forward to that. It's a great place. Enough about me, though. Have a great 40th birthday. Enjoy your uh, Q&A on the new episode on the podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll see you around sometime soon. Take care. Dope. <laughs> Yo, what's going on, Charles? <laughs> Looping around. Um, yeah, dude, that's... Fuck yeah, man, that's dope. I was just listening to a new song on the way to Bungalow Club a couple weeks ago. They just put on a new single. That was that was what spurred me to throw that in. Uh, I felt like um, we've talked a lot about metal, but um, mm-hmm. I wanted to refine that a little bit. Obviously, I thought it'd be funny for him to ask, like, who's your favorite band and why is, <laughs> why is it Mastodon? Sure. Of course. Uh, but... So I have grown in my love of metal almost exclusively because of my friendship with you and my friendship with Josh Lemke from Surly. Mm -hmm. I really, honestly, uh, there was so much depth. I got to a point where it was just hard for me to sift through anything because I am particular in liking a little bit more melodic metal, slower metal, even speed metal. I, I just don't always love like the growl and I don't love mm-hmm. the everything in drop D or drop B or drop B flat. Sure. And uh, they were a band uh, previous to me meeting you uh, and previous to Josh and I getting really close. They were a band that opened me up to really understanding how deep that field is. And I feel like that was like that planted seeds for me. So then when our friendship really started to get closer, I started to realize like, holy fuck, I haven't spent any time in this category. Right. And so what I wanted to do after that question was refine it a little bit more and ask you like for maybe non-metal lovers who are metal adjacent or who like hard rock or who just like rock and roll, could you give a few suggestions or recommendations for bands or even songs, uh, that you would say, hey, this might get you into a little closer to like where I'm at. It's interesting. We were discussing Opeth prior yeah. to recording uh, because I was able to procure the um, 20th anniversary edition of uh, Blackwater Park. Charles got his feet wet and working on hard to get vinyl. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was saying that I lucked into that being available for a minute because they announced it on social. And I looked at it, and that's one of my three favorite albums of all time. So what I would say is 
Opeth is a band where you can start new to old, and the further back you go, the more serious it is. So when you get to stuff like Blackwater Park, there's a lot of growly, serious, heavy, orchestral sort of um, overtones. But if you're listening to their more current, it's almost like folk music. So it's like metal, rock, folk music. There's a lot of influence. They have two Spanish guitarists. There's a lot of Spanish acoustic, which makes me, it makes my nipples hard. I fucking love Spanish acoustic guitar. And that element of Opeth is one of the things that makes them most unique. But if you listen to their albums that are more current to today, ranging all the way back, uh, you will find things that are accessible and then gradually less accessible because they stopped the the growling and screaming <laughs> for the most part. So that's a way that you can see if, sure. for instance, Swedish black metal is for you. Another band that's an easy one uh, is Ghost. Yeah. Ghost is... Ghost is accessible to anyone, but has a great deal of depth. If you look at the how their their albums are concept albums, which is something that I adore about them. Like their last release was entirely about the bubonic plague, and if you listen to the thematics and the lyrics on the album, like really listen to them and and break them down and think about what they're talking about, mm-hmm. it's actually very deep and thoughtful shit. And I think that if you even have just a cursory cursory level interest in metal, they're not a metal band, but they're sort of bordering on being a metal band. If you're thinking of like taking that next step and listening to something, maybe just something that's modern. uh, If you're maybe someone who's like, yeah, I can tolerate some Metallica or Sepultura or Slayer, bands of that nature from days gone by. Um, that might be a way to dip your toe in the water and reintroduce yourself to slightly. I want. It's hard to say even heavy music, but those are good places to start. Like you could check out a band like Opeth and kind of work your way back into their catalog and then see how far you can go before your ears hurt. And <laughs> you don't want anymore. You're uh, tapping out. And like Ghost is just a brilliant band, and it shows you sort of the the range and the creativity of. Uh, hard rock slash metal bands, uh, what they can have today. And I have like a million recommendations yeah. that w- wouldn't, wouldn't be, they're not going to get you anywhere. Sure. You know, f- like Flesh God Apocalypse, who are highly orchestral. I described them to Quam, and this was, this was shooting from the hip. I had never said this before, but I told him Flesh God Apocalypse is like Iron Chef meets Castlevania. If they were, uh, or if, if, uh, which, if, which Iron Chef and, if Iron Chef and Castlevania were a, uh, Italian heavy metal <laughs> band, which is the absolute truth. Because I love listening it, to them while dude, cooking. It's, it's so real, man. I I I got really obsessed with that. I I love that. Uh, I think um, Chemis would be one. K H E M I S S. If I'm two right. M's, I believe. K H M M I S. Yes. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Uh, I know Lemke's a huge chemist fan. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. like that was a I think great he just example. Put out some new material. I thought I saw him mm-hmm. post about it yep. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the I mean. Now, actually, where they're at in their music run, I don't know if Deaf Heaven would even 
qualify as metal, but like that there, especially some of their earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really agree with you on ghost. Uh, they're, my, more pro- they're more proggy. Yeah. Like Baroness kind of, which is, ex- that's Pelican. exactly where like, I love to hang out. Like give me mm-hmm. weird math. Give me sure. weird signatures. Oh, yeah. Let's I do love, it. I love prog rock, but you know, to me it's just a little, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, ghost is like a ghost. Ghost is to metal what Kiss was to hard rock in the 70s and 80s to me. Mm -hmm. And I love everything about it. Like, I am in. Like, that and, like, Volbeat. It's like we're using elements of heavy metal, but we're also just, like, big hooks, big choruses. I love that I don't know a lot about them, but they're touring together. Yeah. That's interesting. They're just – I don't – like, I don't know what you – they're, like – I mean, they're not metal. But Volbeat is, like – it's a Danish hard rock band – where the lead singer plays harmonica sometimes. And huh. every time he pulls it out, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I think and then they I'm like, like one really big song yeah. that I know some friends of mine were really into. That- uh, Heaven nor hell is probably it, but okay. there's, um, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of shit, but the, what I realized was I had done the same thing with metal that I had done with country where I had said there are X, Y, and Z, those are the examples, and if I don't like that, then I'm just not down. And I, I'm saying this as somebody who loved, like, the speed metal of the 80s and shit. Sure. I just walked away from it because I got – I was already searching so hard for other music in genres where I had found success a lot. And, uh, again, I just wanted to kick it back around. Crack the Sky from Mastodon would be another one. If you want a gateway metal record, holy shit, Crack the Sky is amazing and close your eyes and if you're like if you actually know music theory at all imagine that entire record as an entire orchestra playing it and it's the same grandeur Macedon's another one of those bands where if you work your way back through their catalog you would see like how serious you are and you could find if you pinpointed to me I had to stop here Mm -hmm. then I would say okay this is how serious you are about metal and then I could make other recommendations to you because for me you know the further back you go the heavier they are and remission is easily my favorite band uh album of theirs because it was the album that made me love them and is by far their and it's not about being heavy right because in many cases bands go from hard to soft rarely vice versa Mm -hmm. and i love extreme music so if a band captures me because they play heavy music if they become a different band, I can still like them, but they're a different band to mm-hmm. me now. It's totally. always, they may, I'm like, hey, you, you could have called yourself something else. You didn't have to still be called. Exactly. You know, and I'm not saying Mastodon. I'm saying you know a lot of bands, that's the case for them. Like, you may as well be a different band because you're different now. You're a great band, sure. but you're not the band that hypnotized me X number of years ago. I've, I've made that argument a number of times with friends that if you're going to completely change genres, then you should just call yourself something different. Or call it two or three or, like, whatever it is. But, like, define yourself as we're not that anymore. Now we're this. And then go from there. Especially if it's a title shift. Yeah. You know? Like, if Nora Jones started doing hip-hop and she's still Nora Jones, I'd be like, I don't know, man. I would fuck. If Nora Jones wanted to start singing some hooks on hip-hop, I would be in. Yeah. Marnie (laughs) would be in, too. She loves Nora Jones. I don't even know why that came into mind. But Uh, All right. What are we up? Number four? four. Yeah, number four. Yep. So... Uh, speaking of Queen Marnie. You're 40 now. This question <laughs> is official permission, nay, a command, Who? to toot your own horn. What are you most proud of in life? That's uh, She came with the heavy. 
Yeah, that's... Well, it's tough because I know she's commanding me to do so, but I'm just not really great at that. I don't think I can identify um, a, a singular thing. I'm just proud of the composition of my life. But that is a single thing because it's your life. Yeah, I'm just saying I I, I can't say, you know, like my business or mm-hmm. scoring this great wife of mine or or anything like that. I'm just really pleased with where I'm at right now, 40. I'm I'm 40 in a day right now. Um and I'm just fucking happy. Like yesterday, uh I was just bounding with joy. Just kind of like I didn't really I didn't necessarily take an inventory of my life. Necess- you know, I wasn't like, "Oh, what have other 40-year-olds done by the-? it was it was nothing like that. I was just sort of I was more taking stock of the fact that um I think it's one of the every I think every decade age after 20 is one that people dread, including 30, which is hilarious to think of at 40 and makes me also realize that 40 ain't shit either. There's a thing that I have been saying since I was in my 20s to friends of mine who don't have have as much get up and go as I do is 70 year old. You would kick your fucking ass right now. And I think that that still that still rings true. I don't know. I think maybe what I would say is what I'm proud of is that um, I'm I'm the same person fundamentally that I've been my entire formative adult life mm-hmm. once that prefrontal cortex was in place. Let's be clear. <laughs> so 25 on, you know, when yeah. the lights went on, I yeah, swear yeah. to God, when I was 25, I woke up in one morning and the lights just went on and I was like, wow, calm down. And I did. Hey. But <laughs> I feel like consistency with um the virtues that i hold most dear and also those types of things where i'm still i still have fun i'm still ready to 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 go get it whether that be like working hard boozing hard making an extra reservation cooking dinner for friends even though like you got a long week ahead of you i i'm i'm pleased with myself that i am mostly intact as the person that uh i can pretty faithfully say i was 15 years ago in good ways Mm -hmm. you know we we all evolve and and change and improve um sometimes we collect negative uh qualities as well if you can even call it that but i I think uh i i'm just yeah Uh, yesterday i was just like really overjoyed with um where i'm at in life and the love that surrounds me uh you know i have a beautiful talented smart funny adventurous wife two fucking awesome pets lucky's 10 i'm 40 we got that going for us (laughs) uh and you know our our puppy dog bogey and then you know my family uh which is tight and small but you know, we were there for each other and, and like an unlimited number of cast of characters of friends that surround me and that are interchangeable. And um, I, I couldn't I could not ask for a single thing more than what I have. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud of where I'm at today. That's honestly, that's fucking awesome. I uh, I'm going to echo you on that and just say uh, two days ago, I was talking with a friend of mine mm-hmm. and uh, we were just chatting about. You know, getting a little bit older and figuring out, like, hey, where do we go for the next 10 years? Because um, 
I always, I've never been concerned about getting older. I've never been like, oh my God, I'm about to turn 30. Like, that's just, I'm like, cool. All right. That's another thing we're going to do. But I do know that at 42, like right now, 52 sounds a lot older, but I am twice as close to 52 as I am to 22. So I have to be like, all right, let's, let's buddy up on that. We were chatting about that. Yeah. And I realized that, uh, if I if I could go back in time and like catch me at my like graduation party from high school and just pull me aside real quick it would be shocking for 17-year-old me to learn that the entire path that I had already designed out that I was going to go through college and do and like head off and do my thing yeah that all of that would be flushed down the toilet <laughs> 6 months after my last college class uh but the flip side of that is I'm really happy that I've lived a life that 17 year old me would be fucking fascinated by that. The only thing that's different is what I thought I would be doing. Everything else that I'm doing with my life and how I'm living and where I'm at is exactly where I hoped I would be. And I think that that's a good fucking is it, or do you feel like you outstripped what you thought you oh, would do? I mean, do? I outkicked every part of the coverage that I thought yeah, I was because doing. We discussed this on the JD Fratzi episode yeah. two, I believe. Uh, maybe it was episode where if we met ourselves yep. when we were younger, you know, what we would, I forget exactly how we phrased it, but like, what would you say to yourself mm-hmm. about what you've become or what you expected mm-hmm. or what would they think of who you are today? And if I remember right, my, my answer was, uh, it's okay to not know where you're headed. Because I needed a path. But the thing that I've gotten more, especially in the last year, that I've gotten more reflective on is that there there are so many things about, like, the art that I hold dear, which is always going to be music, that, like, I've gotten to be a part of. Not not just, like, witness from the sidelines or watch from the back of the crowd. Like, that I've gotten to be a part a fucking part of and and the artists that I love that I've been able to hang out with like this is that's it I have a wife that is cooler and funnier and more like just perfectly insane and hilarious than any human being I've ever met and that's the kind of stuff that I don't I don't think I could have even pictured at that time mm-hmm. right and and now like you don't come up with that in your brain and yet you find this this human that sort of like hinges with you and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a whole new thing. Yeah. You know, and like our Harold, our cat that acts like a dog. I never thought I'd have a cat. Uh, and then we have Millie, our dog, who literally is a human being. It's just it's crazy. And I love the fact I love the fact that I figured out and you figured out this like really rich life. And then, hey, whatever tomorrow brings, we'll figure that out too. There, there isn't the, the the best plan is knowing there isn't a plan, and that we'll just yeah. figure it out as we go. And it doesn't mean it's all roses and everything's perfect, but it means if you it, it, absolutely is, not, yeah. What I'm saying, and I think maybe I can I can speak for you as well. Is what we're saying is the 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 constitution of our lives is, are, are things that we're we're happy about and we're pleased with, and mm-hmm. you know couldn't ask for more is that subjective certainly there are things i still would like to achieve and that you would like to achieve of course i'm certain but today 40 40 years old in a day uh i am just over overwhelmed with just like uh happiness about 
um, my, my station in life and, and where I'm at. And that means that I'm in a good position and I'm going to keep working hard to, to develop more skills and probably a little more wealth and things of that nature, Mm -hmm. more friendships. Like I, I don't, I don't want to stop. Yep. But I like well, I like where I like the line marker I'm at today. But that's the best part is is what I, I think what I was trying to say is like I can love the space that I'm at, mm-hmm. but also I can want to get more. Yeah, I can want to go sure. farther. I can want to yep. do more. But I'm really cool with where this is, and I love that. And I feel like yeah. you wear that like a comfortable hoodie, and I I really really appreciate that about you is uh, going back to the hashtag celebrate everything. I get away from that a lot. And I was reminded yesterday uh, by my friend Tim Miller. And he was like, hey, we all need to take a second. Like, week of Thanksgiving, regardless of what you think about the holiday, like, take stock of where we're at. And it reminded me of my favorite Kurt Vonnegut quote. Make it what you want, right? Yep. That's what we say about Look around. everything. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, say it, think it, mumble it to yourself, whatever you need to do. But look around and say, if this isn't nice, I don't know what is. You know, like, take a deep breath and say, hey, this is pretty fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And I think right there, if you can be happy with that, you can always move forward. You can always do more. But that's a pretty good place to be. One of my favorite things to say to somebody, if the smallest thing, like, raises their ire, is if this is the worst thing to happen to you today, you're having a pretty fucking good day. You're having a pretty fucking good day. The other thing I'll say is I went to an anti-war concert in um 2001 that tech nine was performing at it's at first ave and he said you can love where you live and want it to be better and i'll never forget that that's like yes that's it you can love where you live and want it to be better i'll say that about why do we have to phrase it like that it's the truth right i'll say it about our city i'll say it about our state i'll say it about our country about our our worlds i'll say it about about our our lives lives, right you can love your life and want it to be better fucking a right and it's also okay if you're not in that place right Mm. like but you still want it to be better you know like that's that's important I'm going to uh, catch up with you with a wee bit what are you of doing? Eagle Rare. Doing a little rinse with the uh, yeah. ER. Yep. <laughs> you know how we do. Do we got well, more uh, so, orbs? Do we got, are we pondering our orbs here? Uh, well, we have. I have. Uh, I got a big cube that I can give you. I'm out of orbs. Okay. Oh, man. But I figure a fresh cube for this seems mm-hmm. right. Uh, this is also the, uh, the we're going to make the sausage on the air. Uh, I thought I had this one sewed up. Uh, I wrote exactly what I was hoping would happen. And um, the gentleman asking the next question uh, kind of just got every single aspect of this question wrong. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's thrilling. So, I wanted, Wild card. To, <laughs> I wanted to involve your brother Tony in this. Yes. And I thought it would be fun. Uh, Tony wanted to ask a wrestling question. Okay. <laughs> and when he told me that, I thought it would be fun to get a pro wrestler involved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a comedy of errors for about four straight days trying to figure out what would work. And we finally okay. found something that did work. And then <laughs> I have a ton of respect for this human being. But I literally <laughs> I feel like he read every other word of the email <laughs> and then put this together. Okay, so you might need to translate. So this question <laughs> is supposed to be from your brother Tony. Okay. 
And he answers the question, which is the problem. So this question is supposed to be from your brother, Tony. Uh, and the question is supposed to be, uh, what is your favorite blank? Okay. And so uh, <laughs> here you go. Yo, what's going on? This is a message for Charles. And Charles, oh, fucking this is your life. Charles Guru Jr. here. And your boy Tony contacted me and told me that you got a big 40th birthday coming up. Uh, on the 23rd, man. So happy 40th, man. You made it. Another trip around the sun. So congratulations, brother. Uh, the big 4-0, man. That was a good year. Just, I, I'm a few years older than that. Yeah. Maybe more than a few. But anyways. Just a few. Uh, good year, man. I wish I was 40 again. But uh, <laughs> man, I just want to wish you a very happy birthday from La Familia Guerrero. And also your boy was asking that what is my favorite finisher um, to watch, I guess, man. I, there's so many good ones, man. I love like... You know, okay, so he took it as himself. To everybody, you know, or you do it to us small guys. He'd be doing it to, to the giant, to uh, Paul White. Um, I love, you know, Betty's Frog Splash was still one of the best ones, man. He was just so graceful the way he'd do it. Uh, and he also asked, your boy asked, why is it called the Gory Bomb? Okay, so the actual move is called the Gory Special that my grandfather, Gory Guerrero, made. <laughs> Wait, where's this going? Well, well, he made up a lot I'll of moves, including the Camel Clutch. But he made up. The um, gory special, which was that stretch over the person's over your body. Well, I turned it into the gory bomb, which was like God, I got the guy's body, and I would throw it back <laughs> and I would sit down. So we called it the gory bomb, like a power bomb, but the gory bomb. And actually, still used a lot. A lot of people use that now, so it's kind of cool that I made up a little, uh, you know, take from my my grandfather's move. I kind of made it my own. Um, Charles, your boy, saying that you're a huge wrestling fan. So I want to thank you for your support because without you, 89, the rest of the girls couldn't do what we do, man. So uh, happy birthday, man, to you. Um, Q, I guess your nickname. And I just want to wish you man, what? happy birthday. Thanks for supporting again, man. Well, I didn't God even bless. hear that part. Happy 40th, brother. I'm talking. I'm talking a lot. But anyways, God bless, bro. <laughs> this is your life. Child Real Jr. is out. And viva la raza. Yo, what's going on? Right, so here's the best part. Okay, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack there. So, <laughs> so, so uh, Tony wanted to know, Okay, Charles, what's your favorite all-time finishing move? In pro wrestling. In pro wrestling. Yes, okay. And so I contacted a bunch of pro wrestlers trying to figure out if somebody would be willing to ask that question for Tony. Because okay. I thought it would be fun yeah. to have somebody that you guys would watch together doing Certainly. that. Yeah, I won't even go into it on the air. It was a comedy of errors of people either misunderstanding the question or like responding super awkwardly to the email or whatever. We finally got to a point where there were a couple people that were like ready to do it. And yeah. then they were like, cool, in like a week or two. I'm it's like, really funny you picked Chavo. Right. So He's in. He's getting a lot of heat today. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so it gets narrowed down, and okay. I love that <laughs> he got your 40th birthday correct, mm, right? Wrong day, but you know, it's wrong, cool. he so know me. It's the best part. Yeah. Literally, what's the date of your birthday? Eleven twenty-two. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know how he just was like <laughs> November twenty-third. Did he film so, that today? Yeah. On just, the twenty-third. Today's the twenty-third. Correct. Uh, in real time. So. Said it to me earlier today. Yeah. So that check. <laughs> Question two. <laughs> the email said, uh, 
hey, we're doing like a this is your life thing. He's yeah. a big wrestling fan. Would right. you be cool asking the question, what's your favorite finisher? In parentheses, if you want to say, and why isn't the gory bomb, go ahead. Oh, yeah, okay. So he, t- he took it as like. He'd like describe the gory <laughs> like, bomb. Like yeah. Tony was asking him what his favorite finishing move and he wanted him to tell you, which again, like, okay. could not have been like. I went back and read through exactly what the email said, mm. and it could not have been more clear. Yeah. And but... then the best part was that at some point, because it's my account <laughs> like that it came through. Yeah. So he was like, I guess your name is B- or your nickname is BQ. And that was, that was oh, the movie. Like, what was... the fuck is that? Okay. Uh, no, I, I think it's fucking hilarious that he did that today because <laughs> Seth Rollins got attacked by a fan yesterday on Monday Night Raw. Oh, shit. Uh, it was the kid tackled him. It's a very bizarre story, actually. This kid got catfished by someone like, pretending to be Seth for Rollins. For real, yes. Okay. This twenty-three-year-old kid got catfished by someone pretending to be Seth Rollins, and he bought him a bunch of like Amazon gift cards or something, and then went to a show in Brooklyn last night and jumped over the rail and tackled Seth Rollins because he thought Seth Rollins stole money from him. <laughs> cool. So Chavo Guerrero on Twitter today said. Um, Remember when wrestlers were tougher than fan, the fans and just got throttled yeah, over got it? Fucking what a dragged dumb over the coals. Exactly. Thing to say. Like, we're going to set it all so, up so the fans can fight us. might have been elsewhere because he got tore up for that. And today's the day that he recorded that, which I think is extra fucking hilarious. Oh my God. Tony, let me answer your question. And it's a loaded question. Also, it's just, a loaded question. I just want to say, Tony, also, I'm sorry. I tried so hard, and I thought I literally wrote that out perfectly. So I'm sorry it got screwed up. But I promise you, it literally said, We got it. To Charles from <laughs> his brother, it's Tony. Just, that's way funnier. I think it's way better <laughs> that it worked out this way. Okay. My answer my answer is four answers, because we're talking about pro wrestling. Of course. So here are, here's, here's the way I'm going to answer this. There are two moves that started as finishers that have become commonplace in pro wrestling. Some would say too commonplace. That would be Shawn Michaels' super kick, which no one has ever or will ever do as well as he does. But now you see super kicks everywhere. The other one I'd say is the DDT, which was invented by Jake the Snake Roberts. Also, no one can do the DDT like Jake the Snake can. So those two brilliant finishing moves that are now just commonplace. So those are disqualified on that merit. Can I step in real quick and just say sure that uh, Jake the Snake wanted to be one of the people that asked this question, but apparently has some health things going He's on. He's been dealing with some health problems. Yep. Yeah. So he. Oh my uh, god, that would have been fucking. Cool. He actually emailed back, and yeah. at some point, I will find a way to bring Jake the Snake into this because he also is the one sound of my of his favorite. Voice, man, the sound of his voice is just something else. It's He's something the great. else. Uh, but those two. So those really, two are yeah. two of. Uh, right up there, top finishes of all time, but because they're now used so commonly, it almost disqualifies them mm-hmm. from contention. Eddie Guerrero, Chavo's uh, uncle, uncle, who um, is one of my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Frog Splash, no one can do the Frog Splash like him. The closest would be Montez Ford currently. Um, he does it differently, but his elevation is insane. Knowing that about Eddie was how we got to Chavo. Like, that was... Yeah. Obviously, I... Well, yeah, Tony, you know, and yeah, Tony knows how much I love Eddie, and um, he passed away in Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. and we just 
uh, JP Allgood and myself just went to a wrestling show at the Target Center. It's the anniversary of Eddie's death in the city in which he passed away. So that one um, ranks really high, close to the top. But others have done it and done it pretty well. Just no one like Eddie. It meant more when Eddie did it. So my answer officially is the Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, there's one other person who does the stunner. It's Kevin Owens. Not a time that he does it that people don't see him do it and say, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I love Kevin Owens. And I know he got permission from Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. And he knows that people think Stone mm-hmm. Cold every time he does it. But the Stone Cold Stunner is so abrupt, so ferocious. It looked so painful. The way guys sold for him because he was the hottest wrestler in the history of pro wrestling in the time that he was as hot as he was. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Stone Cold Stunner. That's my answer. What about you, Quam? You got to have a favorite. <clears throat> I do. Um, I, uh, I really, truly, the first one that I fell in love with, because I was a, a 80s wrestling fan mm. and i never understood like the the guillotine leg drop from hulk hogan uh i never understood as much as i love macho man i never understood like the leap off the yeah just don't be the name. oh the his elbow drop is legendary it's legendary but it's not like a finisher like people do that throughout the that? match i mean it, his was like yeah I, that, that for me would rank high but Kyrie sane does a better elbow uh, sorry if this echo no, no, no. does a better elbow drop than Randy totally get it. Seven. Like there, there, there just weren't. There were some fun ones, but there weren't that many like great ones back in the day. Should and just the, leave it near. Yeah, either way. Um, but the one that the, the first time that I really was like, oh fuck, it was Kevin Nash's the the uh, the power bump that was jackknife power the jackknife. Holy fuck. Yeah, the elevation and yep. the arms out. And, and yeah. knowing that he was bigger and taller like than me. Like the way he me, backslides him. Like, whew, that one, that was the shit. And then it went right into... Uh, I, that was when I fell back in love with wrestling was that uh, the WCW like NWO run. Mm. And Kevin Nash doing that shit, it just, you were falling from like nine feet up. Sure. And that was one of those ones where like, you were like, I actually kind of believe like this might really be fucking people up. Sure. And then it went a step further when the black speedo, black boot Goldberg era came in and he just did the, I'm going to hold you up in the air forever. And then the just jackhammer. Yeah. Mm. And those two for me. Okay. Because it's also a function of I wasn't watching alone on a tube TV. That was my freshman and sophomore year in college. And they let us open up the pub that's on campus at my university for Monday Night Raw. Or not Raw. Monday Night Nitro. For Nitro, yeah. And watching those fucking on a giant movie screen watching that shit happen like it kind of looked like this might be real like it was so there was so much drama and it was so crazy and i didn't honestly like i didn't watch any of that i found out about like the stone cold rock all that bullshit like years later that was what i was really really into for those two years sure and there was never a time that i didn't jump out of my fucking chair when kevin nash would fucking just off the fucking dome, just yeah. dropping down. It was, it was just it. It added a level of drama that I just hadn't really thought of. Well, also, is 
another key indicator to the best finishers are how protected they are. Mm-hmm. If he did the jackknife, dudes were not getting up. No. If Stone Cold did the stunner, dudes were not getting up. You're done. If Eddie did the frog splash, dudes were not getting up. There are a lot of false finishes now. There's not that many protected finishers. But, man, we could go on on this topic all day. And actually, it's kind of funny that I'm about to pour GTS because to go to sleep, <laughs> CM Punk's finisher that he stole. And um, he he also used to be better at than yep. he is now. Yeah, it just doesn't. Um, man, the F5. Ooh. like there's The F5, I, mean, I will give credit. Like, that is one of the especially few things. Especially that man. He, Brock Lesnar is a fucking scary son of a bitch. If he grabs someone, puts them on his shoulders, and Ooh. throws them like that, that's that's scary. Yeah, it's it's just fucking wild. Actually, you pour yourself. Cause right. you can pour, I'm not going to regulate you how much bitch. GTS you have, but GTS. Hmm. Uh... <clears throat> All right, little birthday snack. So the last uh, last one's for me. <clears throat> or is this the last question? Yeah. Damn. So last question's for me. Yeah. And um, I always, uh, as I said in our my Facebook post for your birthday, uh, my life literally has changed because you texted me from a plane about this idea for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I. While it hasn't been quite exactly what we originally talked about, I think it's gotten better with every like kind of move that we've made. Yeah. So we made some pivots. You're 40 years old, and we have made 40 episodes. Yeah. We've had loud people. We've had quiet people. We've had <laughs> mic it. issues. We've yeah. had hilarious people, and we've had some pretty like heartfelt moments on top of it, and. 40 episodes in, which is a milestone anyway, and on your birthday, I just want to ask, is there a thing that you've learned or a moment that you cherish from this last year and a half of recording episodes? Ooh, yeah. Loaded question. Because there's a lot. We've we've experienced a lot on this program. Funny, sad, happy, um, informative. We've come up with a lot of catchphrases, a lot of mottos, uh, ideas for T-shirts, about 300 300 of those. (laughs) Uh, To isolate a specific thing, there's – there are many. There are many. but And I feel like uh, I'm going to leave something more profound to the the side of the road, but uh, I love that. We've had guests say things like, you know, and I'm just going to grab one out of the hat because there's a bunch of these. But I love that Eric Eastman, for instance, said, you know, it's your mouth like that. Just premise. So simple on his face. Still sticks with me. But so salient, this idea that, you know, it's it's your mouth. If you enjoy something, you enjoy it. But also it's their mouth. Like if they enjoy something, they enjoy something. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that, but it's something that I feel like I subsist by that this idea that totally. other people can enjoy things you don't enjoy. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Don't judge them. It's not your cross to bear. But yeah, I would say we've learned a lot of lessons from our guests. There's been a lot of knowledge nuggets that we've procured via these conversations that we've had with people. Uh, I'll let that be my answer that, you know, that, that it's, it's your mouth, but there is a 
infinite number of lessons that I feel like we've learned and things that uh, I carry into my everyday life from this podcast. And that I, I know people who listen to this podcast that have pulled things out of this or have enriched their lives. I'd like to think, even though we're very freewheeling and we're just here having fun, uh, the tenor of this production is such that we where are somewhat professional but also tie pulled off <laughs> yep. selves yeah, we're like the loosened tie we've both <laughs> been on productions where we are our most professional selves yep. where we mind every syllable that exits our mouth and uh, we use the exact right cadence and the right voice and we want to sound like radio guy when it calls for that because there are times a call for that and it, it's it's possible in the future that either of us or both of us will do podcasts where it's very serious conversation and the camera's in tight on us and mm -hmm. you know we are wearing a tie and we're being very serious and discussing only serious things but the beautiful thing about this podcast is that it is a uh, the, the perfect storm of stupidity and brilliance. <laughs> like we're we're being assholes and good men at once, which is okay to do. So we're here. We're drinking, sipping shots, sharing thoughts, sharing thoughts. There it is. And and sometimes that results in a massive amount of hilarity. Uh, massive amount of confusion, varying levels of embarrassment, but also uh, a lot of illuminating moments, a lot of heartfelt moments. Uh, our guests have learned a great deal about us. We've learned a great deal about one another. I don't know if our guests realize this part of the equation. I know that I'm making the question my own, but we do this. But Kwame and I have been friends for a long time, but we weren't friends we were friends but we weren't friends Correct. and so we via the 40 episodes of this podcast if you've listened to all of them or only listened to a few of them from episode one to episode 40 uh this gentleman and myself have come to know one another <laughs> the way that friends come to know one another when they drink together over that yep. duration of time exactly. we're talking about a hundred 20 hours of consuming beverages and having conversations together, which in I'm, addition to all the other time of us communicating back and forth and talking about where yeah, we want this to go yeah, and all that sure, other shit. Right. So episode one, we knew each other, but weren't, we weren't drinking buddies. We were friends, but not drinking buddies. Mm -hmm. uh, I, we're recording at uh, Quam's house this evening. I've been here drinking, but the last time Honest to Cthulhu, the last time I came to drink here, I was like, cool, I love Quam, but uh, am I the kind of friend that he would invite over to have brisket with him and drink in his house, just the two of us? And that was, you know, three years ago. Yeah. But via this podcast, when we made the determination that we would work well together and he bought in on the concept and we decided to just give this the good college try from episode one, where when we met and we didn't entirely understand if we were going to be able to execute on the concept and we piloted it where it was just the two of us, like it is again today mm -hmm. with episode 40, we sort of, I don't, it wasn't, um, we weren't shuffling our feet, but we were like, 
in a sense for that episode we were interviewing mm-hmm. one another because so, we didn't know one another as cool. well as each of us know some of the guests that are uh, that have been on the podcast over the last mm-hmm. year and a half which is think about that right like you listen to that episode and you think like these guys are keyed in they know everything about each other they know about the concept hell no mm-hmm. we walked in there and we actually look behind the curtain here you want to see how the sausage is made we didn't even know we would release the episode because we said, <laughs> let's try this premise because we feel like it's going to work, yep. but we don't know if this is the episode where it's actually going to work. Totally. And so we just did it. And then we were like, that's pretty fun. I think we can, I think we can release that. So yes, my wildly multifaceted Voltron version of this answer is uh, there's a lot of cool nuggets that we've pulled out, like Eric Eastman's quote, but uh, I really value uh, all of the getting to know yous of this show. Mm-hmm. Quam and myself getting to know one another, us getting to know guests that the other one knows or neither of us knows, you getting to know those guests as listeners and getting you as listeners getting to know us as hosts and us also getting to know you as listeners when you email me or DM us or tag us or meet us at a bar or at a concert or at an event. That's, that's the coolest shit. And actually uh, that makes me almost feel a little bit of a, I'll I'll separate. It makes me feel a little sense of embarrassment when someone approaches me and says, I bet for everyone. I love your podcast. And like, it's a stranger. It's, it's cool, but also I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that is me. This is in the flesh. <laughs> Here I is. The beard is Vanta Black. <laughs> Can you believe it? So, but, but, it. Uh, but it's just the um, I am I'm infinitely flattered when people are like, I love the pod. Can't mm-hmm. wait for the next episode. That's it, man. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, my my really quick answer off the dome would be that I got a close friend in my early forties, which is something that dudes aren't supposed to do. And again, like who gives a fuck about what people say you're supposed to do, but yeah, (laughs) uh, the fact that we get to sit and talk about all the shit. Amazing. I think back on, um, like when Trey was on and we got to that last question and we all got emotional. I think about, uh, when Stephanie March hugged me and how much I needed a hug from a stranger because we had been so stuck in quarantine and COVID bullshit for so long. I hadn't had somebody that wasn't in my like little group hug me in months. And that was my first hug dude in a long time too. And I felt guilty about it. Yeah. And And then later I was like, that felt good. Yep. And you, and no matter what, like, I mean, Stephanie March gives like the greatest fucking hugs on earth. So I don't know what you need to do with your life, but figure out a way to position your life that you can get a <laughs> hug from, from Steph March. But, um, you know, like Tyler talking about his experience with life and where he's been, what he's up to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say honestly, for me right now, my favorite thing has been watching CJ like as they're getting ready to open. Yeah. And by the time you hear this episode, the Get Down Coffee The company. Get Down Coffee Company will be open in North Minneapolis and just go the there. Cafe. Yes. Or the, the cafe. cafe. Yeah. The cafe. Yeah, sorry. The cafe will be open and um to get to watch somebody who is so much younger than me, who has so much 
passion. Like I remember being that guy and opening bars and opening clubs and doing my thing. And I would go around when we would go to different cities and open clubs. I was the guy who would go to like the news and the radio and talk about it and whatever. And having somebody come on who is so infinitely better spoken and like just fucking calmer in his skin than I ever was doing that shit. Like I am excited to see again. I at 42, I'm not saying like I'm old. I'm not saying I'm out to pasture, but at 42, I am saying that I love watching the next generation take shit over. I love the fact that I'm watching younger people than me yeah, start the next to, wave. to own shit. Mm-hmm. And, and man, our episode with CJ, it just, it, it filled my heart to the fullest because I'm like, this is a dude who not only is going to carry the torch, but it's just going to take it farther than I ever dreamed it could go. And that's, Oh yeah. That's the kind of shit. Well like equipped. I love the fact that we get to be here and talk to these humans and, and watch them just fucking blossom and keep going and then be like, dude, we got to get back. Let's, let's bring them back on again. Let's talk about what's going on for sure. You know, like it's, it's a pretty cool thing. And uh, to all of you listeners out there, like it, it means the world uh, when you email, when you message, when you grab either one of us, if you see us in public, when we talk about stuff, this is like, all we want to do is bring these conversations to everybody. And we are, I, I, Charles, I'm not trying to speak for you, but I feel like we're just as rewarded as anybody else is from these discussions. Like I love every time I walk away from these episodes, I'm just like, this is so fucking cool. I can't believe we get to do this. I think the, the single greatest compliment that we've received from a guest on this program, and it is not a singular guest. It is a guest multiple times over is when we hit the stop button on recording and they remark to us that is the best conversation I've had in a long time or don't tell anybody else, but I've never had that much fun on a podcast. That's my favorite shit. Like that's put that uh, right in my veins. Yeah. So as much as we think that the productive quality of the content that we're producing is an enough to uh, substantiate like a long-term listening audience, which we also, you know, are, are pleased and, and um, very grateful to have. Beside that, we have the benefit of this experience meaning so much to us. Yep. If that thing wasn't even recording our conversations Still would have been a great talk. If, if this was some Truman Show shit and this was never hitting the airwaves and it's like tea time with your, your I'll see you make me nervous now. I look back and make sure it was still oh, recording. Sure, <laughs> yeah, then it would it would be similarly gratifying. Not yeah. equally, but similarly gratifying. Totally. Um, so we just, we're, we're going to just keep fucking powering through and, and doing these things and then doing bigger and better things because we're not going anywhere. Mm-mm. Charles, happy fucking birthday, man. Hey. It was Thank really you. fun. Uh, it was fun hollering at, uh, at people in your world. And uh, <laughs> aside from Chavo, Chavo literally doing Not a, my world. I don't know Chavo. <laughs> doing, a, <laughs> doing a great promo, but reading all of the cues wrong. <laughs> oh, Chavo. Uh, 
Honestly, it almost makes it funnier. <laughs> Fucking A. But, uh, but hey, uh, Tony. Kerwin White. Kerwin, is that his terrible thing where Vince McMahon made him act like a guy who thought he was or was pretending he was white? I think yep. it was Kerwin White? Kerwin White. Jesus fucking. All right. Uh, but hey, Tony, uh, <laughs> love you so much. <laughs> Again, I apologize. We've, I, I really tried hard to make that work. So either way. Uh, we got to it. We yeah. found it. <laughs> either way. Take it out of a pile of Chavo dung, but <laughs> we found it in there somewhere. <laughs> but uh, fucking hey, Charles. Hey, happy birthday, my guy. Thank you. Uh, to everybody else out there, uh, thanks for sticking with us through 40 fucking episodes let's go we got more yeah we're just gonna keep going uh as always please uh give us a positive review it helps us get out more uh share it with your friends suggest guests suggest questions yeah anytime just hit us up libations for everyone uh we love you that's charles that's me you're Ben? I guess. Uh, So from Charles and Ben, we love you very much. Have a wonderful, uh, wonderful evening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs)